Ladies and gentlemen, I'm here to unite the two sides of the world, essentially. We got Idaho, U.S. representing me, and now we got a brand new face. I mean, this guy is pumping on nothing but great stuff, whether it be on Instagram or just on all of his accounts. And I mean, only the best of interviews, and he gets all the big names. Give that for my man, Steve, and please introduce yourself. Let us know who you are and, like... Give, it, give us your Instagram so we could go check out all your great stuff and just just plug everything real quick. Yeah, thanks very much, Ross. Ross at the 4th and Long Radio. Thank you very much for allowing Scotland into the world of Idaho. It's uh, stevejamesports.com on all your social medias. MMA interviews with fighters, coaches, and we're throwing a lot of articles there as well, just a lot of opinion, feature pieces. And yeah, thank you very much. Absolutely. this I, I swear. Yeah. You... It's almost like uh, just Brett, o Brett Okamoto that you can talk to from just a Scottish version because he, you guys get just as good as name quality. And so it's <laughs> on, and some really thought-provoking questions too. That's why I like most about your stuff is that um, I tried to kind of um, – I've learned from you with some of my interviews where just – you know, a lot of people ask the same questions and a lot of fighters hear the same questions. You're able to get some unique yep. ones in there and really show a different side of the fighter which is a hard thing to be able to do. So, of course, I, I commend you on that ability. Yeah. No, for me, it's about, uh, if I want to learn about how the fighter got into fighting, I'll read their book one day. <laughs> um, I just want to get right to it, pre-fight or post-fight or something that maybe makes me tick that I want to learn more about them. We, we, we can run about on the internet and look at articles and find out what karate class they joined when they were four and five. I'll find out all that stuff other than that. When I'm talking to a fighter, I want to get the information. I want to know how they're feeling going into a fight, after a fight, their agenda, what their thoughts are on current events and current situations. In a kind of sociological way, it's always kind of to analyse and investigate in a way to try and get really thought-provoking info and share it with the world as a fan myself, pretty much. Absolutely. I mean, it's so much yeah. fun being a fan of the sport, be able to talk to you know, the people you see on TV three, four times a year fighting. So it's, yeah. uh, it's, it's a helpful thing to be a part of. But what we got in store for you guys is, of course, we're going to take a look at 2021. Um, we're fresh into the brand new year. So, of course, Happy New Year to everyone out there. Um, Steve was able to get into the new year before I was over here. So uh, he, he's speaking from the future. So that's, that's kind of neat, <laughs> a little time traveler action. <laughs> yeah uh but we're going there is a lot of guys that made some names for themselves so we're going to take a look at that um we're and then we're going to obviously talk about some interviews because we both love that stuff and we're going to take a look into 2022 because man if i i don't think i've ever been more excited for a year of mma as i am because there's just some ridiculous fights some ridiculous events and a lot of stuff that is probably going to go down next year. But, of course, ladies and gentlemen, like you said, uh, cjamesports.com. Go check them out. You can find all of our stuff at thefourthandlong.com uh, for all of our MMA stuff. That's forward slash MMA. And we're doing our award show coming up this week. So that's going to be a fun one to catch. But let's hop into things, Steve. And let, let's take a look back at the crazy year that was 2021 and. There's a lot of great moments. Which one, like maybe right through your head or something you might want to think about a little bit more, which one stands out to you the most? 2021 for me, um, it's a really hard one. There's so many different narratives, so many different storylines. For me, the Volkanovski and Brian Ortega fights, one that I can't seem to get out of my head. Um, we had the tough, we had the tough competition. We, we know the reality show tough. We know how exciting it is. We know that everybody's followed it over the last couple of years and it's 
created some of the best stars that we've got in the sport today. But Ortega, Volkanovski, there was just something completely different. What they brought to it, people didn't want them to fight. They didn't really think there was going to be an excitement to the fight. They thought it was just going to be Volkanovski, Ortega, two guys who are perhaps kind of teetering between being fan favourites to not being so much. And people kind of counted it out. And then we get the fight. And now it's been immortalised in history for being one of the best fights, not only in the division, but in the world. And that for me is the, perhaps the, the one that kind of resonates and that I'm going to kind of take with me into 2022 almost as a benchmark. A benchmark to see what people are like, what people learn from the ground game, the heart of uh, Brian Ortega and Volkanovski, and the fact that Volkanovski, after all of the, the disrespect, if you want to say that, I think he's finally been recognised as a really, really tough, dominant champion. And I think that next year is going to be an even greater year for him. Obviously, like, um, and personally, I thought too, like, the, the two fights with Holloway were, they definitely great controversy. There's no doubt that, yeah. that Volk won the first fight, you know. The second one, I still think it was Holloway, but like I wouldn't call that one robbery because it was just a super close fight. Um, it's too close, yeah. Right. I'm obviously I'm super looking forward to the trilogy that we're hopefully going to get in 2022. Um, yeah. But for me, Volkanovski went from a guy that had controversy against one of the greatest featherweights of all time, and two, he's now solely in conversation for maybe he's going to be the greatest featherweight of all time. This guy is a freaking stud, and him along with Derek Lewis have proved i've joked that they've proved that brazilian jiu-jitsu isn't real it's a mindset because he was getting yep. choked out a couple times and what he just got out <laughs> did you see oh, how magic man you, how quick ortega sprung onto volkanovsky he didn't even have time to prepare for a way to get out he was stuck he even said for a minute that he felt he, he felt like his throat kind of gargling under the pressure that ortega's submission and he still got out that was was it the third round that really exploded, right? Or is that the was it the third or fourth? I I think I think it was the third, but in that fight was yeah. ridiculous, man. Yep. Oh, that was lived up to everything that people never thought it would be, and now it's immortalized in history. And there's a new appreciation for both fighters. And as you said, featherweight goat. We we know that in terms of popularity, there's still a wee bit way to go. But records and accolades and evidence of such spectacular performances, that speaks for itself. So I think that he is going to need to be in the conversation because we know the featherweight goal has been... A, we've had the McGregors, we've had the Mendes, we've had Jose Aldo, um, we've had Holloway. Mm -hmm. And we know that Holloway has been extremely amazing. But on paper, we know what they both bring to the table. But we also know that Volkanovski has got two victories over Holloway controversial or not, he's got them and it's been argued the first fight went his way, second fight too close but a lot of people can probably edge with Holloway I personally mm -hmm. thought Holloway won mm -hmm. but Volkanovski won at the end of the day yes, he did. and that's what counts and what did you think about Tough 29 too because uh, my co-host Blake and I we've talked about that maybe you know it's a reality fighting TV show yeah. The reality of that show, that reality part, maybe wasn't the best. It wasn't the great drama yeah. that we've seen over um, in recent history. We haven't seen people take mm -hmm. down doors. We haven't seen two coaches fight in Trail Sun, not letting someone get close. Um, yeah. All of that that's that easily is one of my favorite MMA moments of all time. The whole, yeah. I can't let you get close. That 
It's my favorite soundbite from Chael. Um, complete with sandals. Complete with sandals on. Sandals, jeans, and he's taking on the axe murderer. <laughs> yep. I love Chael. Um, there was only one Chael son. Absolutely. The man that went, um, <laughs> honestly, he might be fire the male fire of the year, 5-0 in one night. Dude's, dude's a menace. <laughs> he, he is. He is that. But uh, the fights themselves, though, while the reality show might not have been great, the fights themselves, it might have been the best season of Tough ever just in terms of the mm-hmm. the quality of fights like um uh, ricky tercios and brady high stand that honestly could be an honorable mention for five of the year what do you think about yeah. that part yeah thought it was amazing i thought it was great two fighters both hungry both had a kind of fairly long kind of way of getting into the ufc and um, they both had setbacks in the past but what they brought to the table was just immense and we've been able to see from the fight leading up to where their respective careers are now. It's all going in the right way. We've got Ricky as well. Um, perhaps becoming a bit of a, a fan favourite as well through a lot of speeches and a lot of dialogue and a lot of positivity. He's a fun guy. He is. That speech was immense. And Paul Felder was uh, only too happy to give him the mic on more than one occasion to be able to get his message across. And as always, world peace educating for the kids mm-hmm. and just a very humble uh, human being overall and we've not even got to see close to what he can bring exactly and one thing i'm super excited about of course brian ba- um brian battle was the winner of the middleweights yep. um unfortunately treshawn gore was injured couldn't participate yep. in that final but i believe they're set to fight in february yep. so i'm super excited to see that fight because in in terms of just like names Battle versus Gore, it, that sounds like a fantastic MMA fight. But, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But Treshawn Gore is a freaking stud. Brian Battle yeah. could be really good. So I'm excited for that matchup. I was At this point, we didn't get, but good mm-hmm. on the matchmakers for giving us that, this fight um, in the end, though. You know. Yeah, that, that's what we all wanted to see. Everybody wanted to see that just when it became clear that we were not going to get it. There was always worries. Is it going to happen? Is it not going to happen? As you said, the matchmakers almost read one minds. They know exactly what the fans want, what we're hungry for. Can't think of a better way to kick off the earlier part of the year by bringing them two together. And yeah, as again, it kind of ties into Ortega and Volkanovski's uh, season of tough. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really put a lot of promise in the future because bringing tough back after such a long time away, people were a bit unsure about what it was going to be. Have we moved past it? I think this kind of shows you that We've maybe moved past it in terms of popularity because I know a lot of people weren't sucked into it as much as they were for previous seasons. But the crop of talent that we've got coming out the Contender Series and Tough is just outstanding. And that alone kind of tells me that we should have a lot of faith in the, the development and the system, mm-hmm. the breeding ground that's bringing all these great fighters to us. Between Dana White's Contender Series, between Tough, there's so many like solid, yeah. promising young talent in the UFC that we've yeah. never seen before. It's... It's really fantastic. And now all I need, Tough 30, Hoy Masvidal versus Colby Covington. It's so easy. I just need them to make this, you know? And we're on the same page. That's the only fight. Only fight. Thank you. I mean, we've got we've got, we've got, got the narratives. We understand the history. I mean, it's got everything. Bad blood, former best friends. We've seen footage of Covington taking care of Masvidal in living rooms the back and forth, we've been able to see how good Masvidal is when he's good. But we've also seen him when he's got his weaknesses. We understand that he's got a good, he's got good defence. The first fight with Usman, Usman wasn't able to dominate or get him on the ground in that as you would thought. Mm-hmm. Colvington's a different animal in that sense. And we know we've seen Colvington and Usman 
We've seen them go back and forth twice now. Two excellent fights. But Masvidal and Covington, it's the only fight. That's the only fight I want to see. I don't want to see them fighting anybody else. I know we've got the Covington and Chumayev and all that, but and then we've got the Jake Paul and we've got the Masvidal. Covington and Masvidal is the only fight to make, and it's the only one that I want for both fighters. Let's let's that's that's facts. Because, oh, yeah. If you want to bring the reality TV back to tough, that's Horry and Colby because that. The trash yeah. talk alone is going to be golden that entire yeah. season. Like honestly, I would be okay just with twenty minute press conference between the two. I think that could that could bring a whole new audience to tough that perhaps they've not seen for a long time. I think if we're talking about tough and about the way I was talking about it a moment ago about it not having that same popularity, mm-hmm. I think that squashes all that. I think this brings it right back up. They're going to get the ratings. They're going to get the viewers. They're going to get. Older fans are going to get fans who are new and creeping up. Mm-hmm. People from all walks of life. I think it's amazing. I think that it needs to happen. I can sit and say it every day until I'm blue in the face, but it needs to happen. That's the only fight that I really want to see. If you're asking me, mm-hmm. see many great fights. That's the only one that I really want to see that I would I would pay very hard money for. Oh yeah, I think the only thing that might be able to top that coach combination would be McGregor and Nate Diaz, and then they have the trilogy fight, but. Even then, I I almost re- I think I'm still sick with Horan and Colby. Yeah, I want to see McGregor. I want to see McGregor fight again because, I mean, what I would love McGregor. Unfortunately, he can't go back now. Like when we're talking about Darren Till, for example, people say that Darren Till needs to go back and fight lower competition. McGregor can't do that. He's too big a star. So. The Nate Diaz fights and perhaps the Chandler fights and that, that's the only place he can go. So I don't really want to see McGregor and Diaz again because I feel like I've, I've already seen how it went the first and second time. But then, in respect to what you're saying, I think that that's perhaps one of the only ways we can go. If you want to because there's not much else for numbers. them. Yeah, if we're hitting numbers, it'll sell big time. And we all know what Dana White's about. He'll get. He'll get, If Conor wants to fight Nate Diaz, that will happen. Dana White will. Uh, Dana White will personally invite Diaz and get it on the go. I think. I think. I think. I think it will happen. But it's not my favourite fight. I would love to see Nate Diaz fight Poirier. I would love to see. I would love to see McGregor fight um, Oliveira. I'd love McGregor to fight Chandler. I don't want McGregor to skip the line. No, I would love him to get a fight before Oliveira. Perhaps the Diaz fights that way. Perhaps it's the Ferguson fight. Yeah, it's, it's it's a very confusing time in the world of McGregor because we don't know what's next and we don't know what he's thinking. We know we can all think what he needs, but we don't know what he actually needs and what's going to happen. Part intriguing, part confusing, and a bit of part frustration. That is a damn fact <laughs> from <Yeah>. you. Um, <laughs> let's go into the next thing. I kind of want to talk about, like, we've seen stars rise year after year. Last year, it was the Kevin Holland Show going 5-0, and and unfortunately, he's taken a little bit of a decline, but now um, he's wrestling again. And yep. I mean, if we saw it, it was a fury um, uh, last week. It, yep. He got taken down and he stood up. So we've seen legitimate improvement from Kevin. I, man, I hope he does well because he's he's such a funny guy. But um, there's some there's a lot of fighters this year that you can talk about that really made a name for themselves in 2021. Who sticks out to you and who, who do you kind of want to focus in on? If we're talking about, I mean, making a name for themselves, 
one one fighter that sticks to my mind. I mean, we can talk about a lot of talents. Mm-hmm. Um, if we're talking about people who made a name for themselves that are not new, they're not new to the sport, they're not new to the division, probably a one that's on the top of everybody's list, Juliana Pena. Mm. She, what she's done, a lot of people are perhaps looking at her and thinking, right, okay, you won the belt, okay, you beat Amanda, that will never happen again. But people need to realise kind of what she's done to get there. And not just what she's done to get there in the sense that what she's done recently. Um, but she's been, she proclaimed to Hawane, she proclaimed to ESP, she, uh, ESPN, she proclaimed to everybody, I know how to beat Amanda. This is the blueprint to do it. This is what Katz and Gano done. This is what I'm going to do to Amanda. She said this a long time ago. And she came in, the betting odds were against her. The MMA community didn't think highly of her for this. Pundits, betting odds, you name it. Mm-hmm. And she done exactly what she said and what she was set out to do. And that's that's you've got to give her props for that. Despite her being a more veteran than some of the up and comers, I think that Pena is one name that sticks out that you you can't ignore, you can't dodge it. I think the only people that were expecting this is maybe like Bilal Muhammad and Michael Chiesa. But besides those yeah. guys, it definitely took yeah. the world by surprise, myself included. Um, mm-hmm. One of the guys I that obviously caught a lot of attention and I've really, um, really kind of fallen in love with as a fan is a guy that if he was in the UFC for longer, he probably would be my fighter of the year. But given he's only mm-hmm. 2-0 in the UFC... I definitely put him up there as honorable mention, but a guy that went 6-0 in MMA in 2021, 2-0 in the UFC, take out two top prospects on short notice. Let's talk about, um, let's start with Chris Curtis. Chris Curtis is a stud. I mean, take yeah. out um, Phil Haas, then Brendan Allen. <laughs> and originally he was a welterweight. Now he's actually stepping middleweight just because we saw that yeah. he um, – doesn't want to cut weight anymore. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I don't blame him. But when he's knocking these guys out, man, he has a hell of a 2022 to look forward to. Yeah. And, again, it's betting underdogs. He never came into these fights being the favourites. People looked at him. He's been fighting for a long time. Um, right, right, he's finally in the UFC. He's got to where he needed to be. He's retired multiple times. Mm-hmm. And he comes back in. Not only does he come back in, make his debut, and make it impressive based on his own internal kind of struggles that he's been able to overcome. Mm-hmm. But he comes out and takes it two fighters that are known to be on pretty good roles and two fighters that, again, I mean, Brendan Allen, he's been uh, he's been talking a lot over the, over the last while about looking for opponents, needing challenges, and to get that done to somebody like Brendan Allen and Phil Hawes is just incredible. And again, he's fought a really hard, long battle to get where he is. And I think that 2022, I think you're going to see him getting bigger names and we're going to really get to see his true potential and see what he's like. But I think that I think that he, perhaps more than most, based on resilience, the mm-hmm. fact that he's been able to to kind of go through the wars of getting to the bottom, retiring, feeling not good enough, to suddenly coming back, going there. And, and I'm sure, was he, before the UFC, was he not 5-0 and this year as well, just outside the UFC and in the UFC? So outside the UFC, he was um, 4-0 in 2021. Right. He was on a okay. five-fight winning streak. I'm going that back to end of 2020. 
insane. Yeah. So you can't rate it. <laughs> that's pretty <laughs> damn good. And there's also on um, two big cards as well, because of course you see two sixty eight. You know, a lot yep. of people thought the best card of the year. Then there is also the Font and Aldo card that yep. he knocked up right now. That's fantastic. Also, I mean, a little another mention to a uh, to Beast Boy Chris Barnett for yep. hitting a hell of a head kick and then hitting a front flip. That was great. Perhaps one of the most exciting, charismatic, like he's dancing on the way to the octagon was enough for me. Like, um, Again, it ties into that thing we were speaking about before we recorded about this happy-go-lucky attitude. He's one of the only men, because we see people who admit that they're not, they're not feeling that, they're nervous, they're feeling like they're going through the motions. Mm-hmm. And then you've got Chris Barnett, pretty good dancer, if I didn't say so myself. Right? He's got some yeah, moves. Yeah, he's got some moves. Yeah, um, definitely redeemed himself. Is he remembered back to his UC debut in, in May against Ben Rothwell? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. That was a horrible fight. Um, yep. I guess nervous. I've, I mean, that's probably good, definitely. But uh, he definitely learned from, from uh, that fight. And, dude, <laughs> I'm, I, what, I can't. Whatever he... Whatever he done from that from that fight, keep doing it, keep doing it because that's the that's the name of the game, and that's how you get your props and that's how you get to where you need to be in this sport. And he's he's a shining example. Oh yeah, um, I'm excited. He's he definitely. Yeah. We all know the MMA community. It's uh pretty fickle. Um, it's yeah. all, it's a huge thing of what have you done for me lately? Everyone yeah. hated this guy. Um, after his Ben Rothwell fight, now yeah. everyone loves him. So, uh, yep. you know, that's a cool thing. If you have a really bad fight, you just follow up with something great, and um, everyone loves you again. So it's uh, yeah, it's easy to gain fans a lot of times. <laughs> it's just easy to lose them, though. Um, but let's flip sure. it to something a little bit more um, personal. Talk about your channel. Obviously, you've interviewed tons and tons of guys this year. Do you have one that might stick out uh, the most and which one you might have been happiest with or the most entertained by? Hmm, tough one, tough one, tough one. Um, that's a good question. <laughs> um, putting you on the spot the first time. On. I think I think one one of the one of the most exciting ones. So I've been a I've been a fan of a lot of fighters, but um, man of the UK, man of the world, if you will, Paddy Pimblett was uh, one fighter who I've been eager to talk to for some time and. If you followed his career before the UFC, very successful going into the UFC, considering his Cage Warriors background as well. Um, champion after champion. Um, are you familiar with Paddy Pimblett from the Cage Warrior days? Absolutely. I mean, um, I wasn't watching him while like, he was doing his thing, but you know, of course, when mm-hmm. he was making his debut to the UFC, he had to catch up on that dual champ. This guy was just... I mean, the Conor McGregor comparisons are super... They're They're pretty easy to make but there's a reason why they're super easy to make because they both yeah. dominate cage warriors yeah dominated and not only that they they they, they gained the home fans a lot of fighters have difficulty right? some yeah sometimes they'll get fans sporadically they'll get some fans in here and here and here but then you've got fighters like him paddy pimble he's got the whole nation he's got the whole nation on his side the whole country selling out arenas charismatic, confident, real, sometimes gets called arrogant, but arrogance and confidence is a really hard mix. Kayla Harrison is someone who gets the same things. People think that they're arrogant, but nothing wrong in having a bit of confidence. But for me, Paddy Pimblett, 
the interview that we had was uh, full of confidence, but he didn't mince his words. When he says it, he says it with conviction. He knows what he means. He knows he knows it. He understands the game. He understands the inside the cage fighting. He told me he's going to be the cash cow for the UFC. Got a bonus on his first ever performance in the UFC and done it in a very dominant fashion. We know that he... Uh, yeah, he got he got hit perhaps more than we needed to see him get hit, but that that goes out the window when you finish and your when you when you get to debut UFC, you get your first fight, you get a performance bonus, you knock out your opponent, and most of all, you back up everything that you said you'd do. That that's that's an impact, and that stuck out with me before he even made his walk to the cage for the interview. Yeah, Patty is he's definitely an exciting fighter. Aria, now there's rumors that. His next fight's going to be against none other than Cowboy Cerrone. Cowboy Cerrone. Ah, uh, that... <laughs> I was not expecting that kind of matchup, I'm going to be honest nope. with you. Um, nope. Thinking about it, I can see. But uh, because, you know, if Ca- um, Patty comes out, he starches Cowboy. A huge name. He adds that to his resume. But at the same time, it, it kind of confuses me just because of the risk we're taking. And so, like... You put Patty Pimblett against one of the, like, maybe outer, like, right outside the top 15, maybe, like, a 15-ranked guy in that lightweight division. He beats him. Huge name. He moves up. He loses. Then it's way it's way easier to justify a loss to one of those top guys in the lightweight division. Maybe it's like, oh, we just need to take a step back real quick. You know, maybe a little bit slow over burn. Nothing wrong with that. But if he loses to a really struggling, declining cowboy... Maybe some more questions arise from there. What do you think? I agree. I mean, not to say that we want to compare um, Alexander Hernandez and Paddy Pimblett, but Mm -hmm. it was another thing. Every time Cerrone looked like he was going out, perhaps before now, he looked like he he was going out and then he suddenly came back and he was getting this whole gatekeeper type thing. He was was defeating all the up-and-comers apart from Till. Mm -hmm. He was defeating all the up-and-comers. People were managing to take care of business. Um, but I think that it's a very, very risky. I personally would have thought the best thing for the like, like O'Malley. I think Pimblet should have maybe been able to be put into a position where he fought people like O'Malley, mm-hmm. um, not O'Malley personally. Um, people on the way up, maybe the same route that O'Malley's taken. We know that O'Malley's fought Chito Vera, mm-hmm. um, very tough fight. We understand, of course, the outcome. But I think that putting Pimblet in there with Cerrone. Although it creates a lot of excitement and it brings a lot of popularity and fandom to the, the sport, um, I think it's too risky. I think it's too risky. If Pimlet gets beat, then we, we get to question how he got beat by someone that people are calling the gatekeeper and people who are calling lost. If he beats Cerrone, amazing, because he's beat a legend of the sport. But again, the way that Cerrone's been looking, it doesn't really add to the stock. I think he should take the O'Malley route, keep working his way up, bit by bit getting that opponent because we know what happened to O'Malley um, people were saying this is his biggest challenge and he starts Piva without without too much of a problem so I think that Paddy, Paddy Pimlet should be going up very slow he's only 20 I think he's only 26 he's still got plenty of time to grow mm-hmm. he's only just in this he's only just in the UFC he's already done so much before the UFC time's on his side and I'm hoping that the people around him are going to be maybe striving away from Cerrone and maybe Maybe chatting to them in the same way that we are. Maybe weighing up the pros and the cons and maybe saying he should go down the O'Malley route. O'Malley route, I think personally, people hate it, but I think it's smart. And as he said, he's getting the same money. It's working. 
Yeah, I mean, it doesn't matter who you fight as long as you're on that one contract. You're going to be making the same amount of money each fight. Yep. So what's the point? O'Malley's doing it smart because he's getting wins, but he's not necessarily just like a can crusher because Holion was – he's a really good fighter. And that that yep. just speaks – that I, like I don't, I'm definitely not going to take anything away from Holion Pavia. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, Paiva, excuse me, uh, Coach um, Joey. When I had him on um, about a month ago, he definitely he was able to really break down how to pronounce a name properly. Of course, he mouthed me over there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, he, he was making fun of it too. How it kind of caught him off guard, but uh, yeah, uh, it, it's I the UFC makes a lot of weird fights. I, I think we could we've definitely seen that, um, and uh, I'd rather see. I don't know who I want Cowboy to fight. I mean, let's be real, maybe probably his last fight. Um, but <clears throat> I'm not sure if it's if it's Patty, but uh but you know, it does sell because especially if they're trying to plan that fight for that one card I think they're trying to do in Liverpool. Um American versus, you know, British. <laughs> the UFC loves those Scott, kind of matchups. Scott it's got the it's got the storyline, they always like to bring a bit of history into the mix. <laughs> right. <laughs> Just like how we're never going to see Kobe Covington fight anyone from Brazil, because uh, yeah. let alone go to another Brazilian card, which is I think what they're trying to do in March or April, I think April. Right, yeah, they're doing something with that. So hopefully we get Charles mm-hmm. Oliver versus Michael Chandler there, or sorry, not Michael Chandler, excuse me, um, against Justin Gaethje, and then we get yep. let's go Gilbert Burns versus Hamzat um, at that at that Brazil card too down with that that sounds good to me right <laughs> yeah <laughs> um one and then the cool thing about the ufc is that there is so there like the production of it there's so many people that go into where the beat from the fighters to the organizers to just the staff to dana white the matchmakers himself um all the way to the refs so is there someone that you might think is a little bit more rated maybe like who we all know herb dean is great um dan mergliage is great is there maybe like someone that maybe their name isn't talked about as much in the MMA community, but but probably should be. Uh, I love Joe Martinez, but we need to give Mister yes. Mister Martinez a mention because I think that in the pandemic we know that he does a lot of fight nights, and we know that the man, the man at the helm, the face of the octagon, we know Bruce Buffer. But um, I'm getting a wee soft spot for Joe Martinez. Um, he stepped up when when Buffer was out with COVID. Joe Martinez stepped up done big, big events for the mm-hmm. first time in a while. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, Joe, Joe Martinez, there's a lot of people I can probably think of, but Joe Martinez, um, I'm getting kind of used to his announcing and I'm liking it and he's got a bit of grit in his voice and a bit of fire and I think he's really finding his groove. So, yeah, Joe Martinez has got to be there for me. I can't I can't have a chat about people that are underrated in that world and not talk about Mr. Joe Martinez. I love that because um, the thing with, with Joe Martinez is like obviously people aren't like I guess huge fans of him just because it's it will never be possible for anyone to surpass Bruce Buffer because he's he's just perfect he's a legend and he always will be but Joe Martinez on his own he is a great uh, ring announcer yeah. he has a good voice and um, I'm a fan of him the only thing why I guess. He might not seem as good just because you you have to compare him to Bruce Buffer because, you know, he's essentially hit – when Bruce Buffer's not there, it's Joe Martinez. So you just naturally make that. But I love that. Yeah. Joe, he does a great job. and uh, He does. Great voice, you know. Just not Bruce Buffer, but 
who is? Right. Joe, Joe Martinez, um, I think I think we're going to continue to see him. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to continue to hopefully see him step up bit by bit. Um, but as, as you said, there's only one Bruce Buffer. Um, we don't know what the future holds for Buffer, but I think until Buffer's last days, he's going to be standing there in the octagon. He's going to be announcing, and I don't think the world would want to see it any other way. But Joe Martinez, people, give him some props. Give him some love. Um, he's one, there's only one Joe Martinez and just give that guy some love mm-hmm. <laughs> in that same sense too I really like uh, what Brendan Fitzgerald brought to the broadcast group like when it's John, yeah. um, John Anik there who is like in Bruce Buffer is right John Anik is easily uh, my favorite TV commentator and he is yeah. fantastic at his job John Anik is, is nothing but the best um, I think one guy that doesn't get enough recognition um is probably referee Mark Smith because you've n- I've never really heard anyone talk bad about him. You know, he's never really in that spotlight for making a bad decision. He's never the one calling fight too early, too late. There's no controversy around him. And I think, I forgot who pointed out, but he has like the fights that he's refed. There's like this crazy mm-hmm. performance bonus streak that's going on with it. Um, yep. And it, it kind of... Um, finished with the last fight of the year in Chris Dawkins and um, and Derek Lewis because he was ref for that one. I think he's great at his job. Um, like same, he's up there with like the two guys that are taking over is him and Jason Herzog. Those guys, there's no issues with them. You know, it's great, and it's easier yeah. to have a fight with the ref that just we don't have any issues with. Of course. No, I think that I think that um, Mark Smith again. It's like the name value. You've got your. Dan Mergliotta, you've got Herb Dean, you've got um, Keith Peterson, so you've got the names that are always just, they seem to be that wee bit higher in the popularity, but you know, Mark Smith, I think uh, think he's, the fans are talking about him, they're talking about how every time he's fighting, the bonuses are racking up as well, Um, yeah, I think Mark Smith 2022 might be a year that Mark Smith and Joe Martinez maybe start to get a bit of respect and a bit of props, and if we can even help steer that journey just a little bit further, then so be it. Oh, yeah. I, I love those guys. They, <laughs> they deserve plenty of recognition. And to your point, Joe Martinez, he's great. Yeah. He, he really is. Um, but let's take a look into the future. Let's take a look at 2022. We're about a couple weeks out from the first card of the year with uh, Calvin Cater versus uh, Giga Chikazi, and that is a great main event to start us off for the year. Um, you can kind of get us ready for UFC 270, which is, of course, two huge athletes just going in and trying to punch each other in the face the hardest. Um, and yeah. then even that co-main, I think it's going a little bit slept on in um, Figgy versus Moreno 3. That fight I'm super excited about. Um, but yeah. what are you looking forward to most in 22? Like a... Is there a fight that you want most? Is there an event that you want most? Is there something that you want to happen, you know, uh, most of all? In the UFC or just anything MMA? Um, I'm going to I'm gonna say UFC. I'm going to say Kamzat Chimaev and what's next. Mm. Now, Kamzat Chimaev, I'm one, I'm one of these people who enjoy the sport, but I enjoy hype. Mm-hmm. I enjoy seeing people that are being hyped, being successful and fulfilling what expect, the expectations of the fans are. Um, but I still feel that even though Chimaev was so dominant against Lee Zhang Liang, 
I still feel that we we need to see him in there against more challenging people. And I think that this year we're going to get that. I think that, I mean, we've heard that the, the goal with Burns, you know, we've heard of the Neil Magnes. Um, personally, I'd love to see that as well. We've heard the Usman. But I think that, I think that I really, I'm really eager to see Chimaev and what's next because so far he's looked great. He's looked amazing. Mm-hmm. Again, people were saying that Lee Jin Yang was going to be his biggest challenge and on paper he was going to be. But I still think that I'm, I'm not fully on board yet. I'm not sure if I'm fully on the Chimaev train. I still need to see him in there against somebody. Maybe somebody like Neil Magny. I think that Neil Magny brings a lot despite the the fans not having such a such a kind of similar-minded opinion. I think that Shemayev, I still need to see him against someone else before I put him up in that top uh, welterweight discussion with the likes of Usman and uh, so forth. I like that. Um, definitely, he still has a little bit to prove before you and just put yeah. him right there for a title fight. Uh, there's a lot of talks with him and Bilal Muhammad, him and Sean Brady. Him and Gilbert Burns, him and Neil Magny. Neil Magny's been the one guy calling out for like a year and a half at this point. Yeah. Um, I think Neil should be. I I guess it's hard. I don't know if I want to call it rewarded with that fight because I don't think it's ever <laughs> rewarded to fight against Hamzat. Uh, but <laughs> what what you think? Who, who do you think? Maybe not necessarily who Hamzat will fight next, but who um, do you think he should? Neil Magny. Mm-hmm. I think that. As I said, there's people jumping and putting putting Chimaev up there with Usman. And listen, Chimaev could be better than we think he is. I'm only going by, through my analysis of his fights, I've been able to see what he's done. I've seen what his stand-up's like. I've seen what his ground game's like. Superior wrestling. He picked up Jing Liang like he was a baby and carried him over to Dana and spoke to Dana while he was in the middle of a fight. You know? Um, not many people do that. But again, for, for me... It's, it ties into a lot of narratives because you've got Chimaev to fight Neil Magny to Covington into Brock Lesnar to people that don't even fight anymore. And then you've got someone like Neil Magny who he's proven himself. He's been able to show that he's got he's got a lot of great wins. He's also got some losses that people question. But I think that Neil Magny, considering he's been calling out Chimaev and nobody else has, mm-hmm. and I think that Neil Magny's got kind of experience the kind of toughness that he's not going to be like Gerald Mearshart, where people said that when it came to fighting and standing up against Chimaev, um, he maybe got a little shocked and a bit overwhelmed at the man standing up opposite. Mm-hmm. I think Neil Magda wants to fight for a reason. I think he wants it not only because he feels that he can win, um, but I personally think that he th- beating Chimaev is going to take him to another pedestal, another level. You know, you're, you know what it's like when the UFC machine put the hype behind someone with that hype comes a lot of reward. And if somebody can take out Chimaev, Magni, for example, it's going to reap the benefits for Magni. It's going to put him right up there. It's going to hopefully let him get a bit of respect that he perhaps isn't getting because people keep putting him in as a... Uh, people are basically saying that Magni's not got a chance in hell. And I think that Magni, considering the, the accolades that he's got, he's never been up there fighting for a belt. But he's he's always been close and he's always been fighting a lot of difficult fighters and he's always doing for the most part doing well, regardless of how he's winning, he's still winning. And I think that him and Shamayev is going to be a really intriguing fight and that's the one that I would love to see. I'd be super happy with that. And I, I think Me too. I think Neil deserves a spot like for that. And I think that the kind of the crazy thing about Hamza, it doesn't matter how high you're you're ranked. 
if you lose to him, the worst thing you're really going to catch is an ass whooping because in terms of actually dropping down the rankings, you're probably not going to fall that far just because of people's thought process when it comes to Hamzat. But if you beat him, if you derail him, especially it depends on how you beat him, your stock yep. is pretty much only going to go up from a fight like this. So Neil, yep. he of course he has some balls for calling a guy like Hamzat Chmav because, you know, takes a lot of you know bravery to be, want to be locked in the cage with with that man but he's he can only benefit from, from this when it comes to rankings and career progression so i am super like i am i'm stoked with how hard he's been pushing for this fight and dana needs to yeah. throw him a throw him a bone please <laughs> i'm there yes, with he you. Does. yeah and kind of <clears throat> nearing a couple last things we want to talk about here is 2022, like I kind of talked about, being there's a lot of stuff that can happen here. Do you have any kind of maybe a hot take or a prediction that you like to make? Uh, something that's going to happen this year? Um, I mean, I think we're I think we're going to see Till coming back. We're going to see a new version of Till. Mm. He's been Vegas. He's been in Dubai. Yeah. He's had a lot of time to soul search. He's been hanging out with all the British boys, um, Brendan Loughlin, Leon Edwards. He's been really working hard on getting it. I think that we perhaps could see another resurgence in Darren Till. As we keep needing to, as we need to remember, he's he's not even thirty yet. He's not even hit his prime. He's learning mistakes. He's understanding the weaknesses. He's understanding what's going wrong. He's understanding what he needs to do to get back to that level where, perhaps, post Tyrone because he had such hype behind him. Like we says, he fought the Wonder Boy fight, and he got to levels where he became. Pretty much he took over Bisping's position as the most recognisable and favourite of the British MMA fighters. But I think that Darren Till could really come back, do a lot of soul searching that he's done, come back, beat somebody like Uriah Hall, perhaps jump in there and maybe fight somebody like Gastelum, and then hopefully keep working his way back up. I think he's just got a lot of things to work on. I think mm. that a long extended break was what Darren Till needed. And I think that 2022, from the way it's sounding, it's going to be a very different year for Dan Till. And I hope that that's going to be the case as well. Same here. And do you think a move back down to Weldroy would be the best thing to go with? That's a tough one because welterweight division is not even the same division when Darren Till was competing down there mm-hmm. before. It's, it's everybody's just getting tougher, stronger, bigger. And I, I think that's a tough one. I personally would like to still see him at middleweight. But again, it's, it's one of these things. He's got pros and cons to fighting in both divisions. I think we need to focus on what's best for him. If he's keeping on the weight and he's not going through those ridiculous weight cuts, like we've seen the condition that he was in before, I think that staying up at middleweight could probably be his, big, his best move. Mm-hmm. But again, it's one of these things. We've seen the, the rise and fall of Darren Till in the middleweight division. And... I think that 2022 is going to be an opportunity to see the growth mentally as well as physically and a bit of downtime and a bit of time off and a bit of thinking with his coach. I think we're going to see a completely different Darren Till and hopefully at middleweight because I think that welterweight, despite people saying it's going to be a good move for them, I think that the welterweight division is just getting a bit too dangerous now. I think middleweight, I think he needs to stay at middleweight. I'm excited to see what Kelvin Gaston can do going back down to welterweight. Uh... Of course, uh, obviously hasn't has a, hasn't had the best of luck at the middleweight division recently. But also, he's only fought some of the best guys at that yeah. um, at that division. So that's one move there. One thing I am really excited about 
I think Rafael Fiziev is going to reach that top five of the lightweight division. He is a scary human being, and he's been in barn burner fights this year. You yep. know, he he's been crazy good, and dude's just exciting. <laughs> like honestly, I just love what he brings to the octagon because I he's one of those guys that's just fearless. You know, he just goes in there. But in in swings, and, and just wants to get into these, you know, um, you know, wants to fight inside the telephone booth, but also he's has the skill to back it up, and he, um, so I, I'm really excited by him. Another guy that is really on my radar, and I think is going to do great things next year, could be um, maybe a guy like Jamal Hill. I really think he might shoot up the rankings. It's he has a bit of an easier path than than Fiziev um, does because that lightweight division a little bit more stacked. That one through ten is not as good, and the light heavyweight division, mm-hmm. of course, is getting better. But Jamal Hill going from um, brutalizing OSP to you know he did get his arm dislocated pretty bad against Paul Craig, but of course Paul Craig, if he gets you on the ground, there's you're probably not done. Much. Craig is world class when it comes to his ground game, and then um, just what he did against was um, Jimmy Crute. Uh, yeah, Jamal Hill's a savage, and he <laughs> hits like a truck, and yeah. but also has a hand speed of a Formula One car. Yeah, and he's still only in his late twenties. He's still got a lot of improvement. He's he's been mostly dominant, as we said, with no setback with Paul Craig. Understandable, as you said, if you take down, if Paul Craig takes you down and gets your limbs, you're pretty much done for unless you can get some miraculous escape. But seeing what he was able to do against somebody like Jimmy Crute, who's himself looked like he's got a lot of potential and he could be really dangerous and kind of moving up the ranks, mm-hmm. I think that Jamal Hill's proven that he's uh, part of the elite, he's uh, part of that kind of growing crop of uh, light heavyweight talent that's going to continue to grow. And what better way to do it after a win? And to call it somebody with Johnny Walker, who's not only got the the size and the popularity behind him, but it's already somebody who keeps saying that Johnny Walker's never too far away. People were saying that Johnny Walker was going to be John Jones at some point. So <laughs> I think that Jamal Hill's making a good move, and it's a brilliant, a brilliant, a brilliant calculated move to beat somebody with the name value of Johnny Walker and then continue making that rise. But Jamal Hill, perhaps one of the the shining stars of 2021 and 2022 looks like it's going to be an even better year coming off. Perhaps one of the most uh, spectacular knockouts in 2021. Yeah, uh, that that's super fair to say. It was crazy 